Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesueur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. not muted, but maybe if, if I tap it, is that better? Okay, it is muted, or it was muted, and I was wrong. See, I told you last week, matter of fact, I confessed so much last week that somebody on the way out was like, man, I knew you were a sinner, but wow, you're really a sinner when you say so. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't know the half of it. <laughs> That's stuff I tell. That's just the stuff I tell you in public. Uh, you know, and uh, it's, it's so, hey, I make mistakes all the time. I'm glad that I get to worship with a congregation that, um, that still loves me. Thanks for loving me. A big, huge welcome to everybody in our online campus. I'm saying it again because you didn't hear me the last time. And so I was talking to a friend and they said, hey, um, sorry, gonna be, we're going to be gone this week. We're going camping. We worship with you on our online campus. I know we get, uh, we get a ton of friends who worship with us on our online campus um, for, for a variety of reasons. They're camping. They're doing this. They're that. They love being a part of Word of Life Church. So big, huge thank you to you for being a part of Word of Life Church. Thank you for everybody who's here. And I'll just tell you, uh, we had a great time at the New Prey campus um, today. It was a lot of fun. Uh, got to meet some new people. And, um, and it's just, it's great getting to worship and then getting to do it again with you. I just love it. It's just so much fun. I, um, I've had a fantastic weekend. I was, Heidi and I were up in Fergus Falls uh, with Bree. It is her senior year and it's their version of prom up at Hillcrest Academy, which is called the Junior Senior Banquet. And so we got to be there and like Heidi's helping her get ready and do the stuff with the hair. There's crazy wind. And so the hair's, all of the effort they put into the hair, I don't know, it didn't, I, I suggested they should have like multiple hair, you know, fixing stations along the way. Like one before these pictures, one before these pictures, one before you go through the, you know, the big grand march thingy. But uh, apparently that wasn't the way you do it. Heidi got to help with that sort of stuff. I got to harass some boys. Man, there's like no greater joy in my life than harassing you know, boys who are about to take, you know, girls to the prom. This is just so much fun for me, you know. Um, um, Bree's, um, Bree's escort, her date for the night, um, was having a little trouble with his face. And I'm like, dude, smile. And he's like, can't. And I'm like, smile. And he's like, we don't smile in Jersey. I'm like, I'm from Jersey. <laughs> I smile all the time. That's not going to work for me. And he's like, oh, uh-oh. 
He got smiling. I saw, I saw um, a kid. I'm going to call him John because I, um, I don't have permission to tell this story. I didn't think I had. I didn't think that quick. Um, uh, I saw uh, this kid named John, and I know his dad really well. And so while they're all taking pictures and everything else, I take a picture of John and his date. And, uh, you know, and they're, they're, you know he, has, he has the straightest smile I've ever seen. I want to say he was smiling, but his lips were literally just like straight across. His hands were like down here, you know, and, uh, and I took a picture and I sent it to his dad. His dad said, what a stud. <laughs> and so I walked over to John and I said, hey, man, I just shot you a pic- your picture and sent it to dad. And then all of a sudden he kind of got like... Big eyes and like, what did dad say? <laughs> he said, and I quote, what a stud. <laughs> and he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And I said, yeah, he is. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And then he said something so honest and open. I don't know if he planned to say it or if it was just one of those things that comes out of your mouth. I just hope my dad's proud of me. I just hope my dad's proud of me. We all get into places where we're questioning our value. That's really what John was saying. Does my dad value me? Is he proud of me? And it's not just John. We all do this. We question our our value, our enoughness. Am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I smart enough? Am I outgoing enough or am I too much? Am I pretty enough? Am I wealthy enough? Am I successful enough? Am I working hard enough? Am I working too hard? Am I enough in and of myself? Am I enough? Am I enough for my dad? Am I enough for my kids? Am I enough for my spouse? Am I good enough? We're going through these, um, these sayings on these banners, and I got, an, I, got, I got an email today from somebody on our, uh, or this week from somebody on our online campus reminding me that, hey, Pastor Jay, remember, we can only see the two, these two up on, uh, on the online campus. We can't see the other two. So, um, so just remember to like move the banners around, you know, as you're going through the series. And today we're going to be focusing on you are valued. It's our hope, it's our prayer that as a part of Word of Life that you hear that you are valued by God. That the God of the universe who made you, who knit you together in your mother's womb, that God The God who loves you, like we talked about last week, that God values you.
And as your creator, he has every right to assign your value. You don't. You see, we are his creation. We are his creatures, the pinnacle of his creation, and he loves us. And it's his job to assign our value, not our job. But we do it all the time. I get it. I worked at a grocery store for a while. And uh, when I worked at the grocery store, um, I, I regularly got assigned the night shift to cruise through to stock shelves and use that cool price gun thing, you know, like boom, boom, boom. You know, you're doing it on the cans and it makes a really great sound. I, got, I soon got kicked off of, you know, pricing duty. I guess I was having too much fun and or the shelves were way too disorganized. And they're like, hey, Jay, why don't you stand up front, bag groceries and talk to people? That's... That's what you're good at. We'll let somebody else who's a little more organized do the shelving. I'm like, all right. And we just price these things. And I think sometimes we act like we've got our own little price gun. And we just like slap it onto ourselves. And if we're having an especially great day, man, the sun is shining, you know, my hair turned out right, uh, my, there's, my pants aren't too wrinkly, I do have a big, ugly coffee spot on my shoe, though. That's probably going to be a discount. Hey, can I get a discount for this? Yeah, the product is kind of marred. Or maybe, you know, it's the night before prom and like this big zit just kind of pops out on your face and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, that's going to cost me in my value. We just discount our own prices. But we don't get to set our own value. God sets our value. God sets our value. If you have your Bibles with you today, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to start in verse 44. Matthew 13 has, has all of these stories that Jesus is telling, these parables. And a parable is really just a story with a, with a, with a purpose or a meaning. And as Jesus is trying to tell everybody what the kingdom of God is like, He's like, the kingdom of God is like a, a farmer who's like crazy with the seed. He's like scattering it here and it, gets, and it gets on the path and it gets in the rocks and it gets in the weeds and it gets in the field. Crazy farmer. And he talks about a guy who went out to like sow seeds in his field and he, and he sows all these seeds and he gets it all done. And then in the middle of the night, his enemy comes and sows weeds in with the seeds. Ah. As the, as the crop begins to come in, so comes in the weeds. And the servants of the farmer all come to him and they're like, ah, who did that? Didn't you, I knew you planted good seed. Didn't you plant good seed? And he's like, of course I planted good seed. And they're like, well, what do you want us to do? You want us to go and rip them all out? No, 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 no. Don't rip out all the weeds or else you're going to whip out all the good stuff too. Let it all grow all in the same field. Then when the harvest comes, I'll tell the harvesters, first, gather up all the weeds, put them in a pile to be burned. 
then come through and gather up all of the crops and we'll bring it into the barn. He tells the story of the kingdom of God is like this guy who's got this beautiful garden and he plants a little mustard seed in the garden right in the midst of it and it just grows up into this huge bush and like birds and everything just come to nest in it. It's just awesome. Tells a story about hidden treasure and a pearl of great value. Matthew 13, starting in verse 44, reading in Jesus' name. This is God's word, not mine. The kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field. Some translations will say buried in a field. Which a man found and covered it back up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of God is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Here ends the reading of God's Word. I know. You look at this text, and you're like, hidden treasure? Pearls? You know, when, when, when Jesus is telling stories, and it's, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe you're like me, like when I'm reading a story I have always loved to, to place myself. Why? Because I'm a selfish little sinner and I have a tendency towards arrogance. And so I like to place myself in the story. I must be one of these characters. And who do I place myself as the story? I usually place myself as the hero. Why? Because, you know, pretty heroic. I'm just kidding. Maybe I'd like to be heroic. Maybe it's like a dream of being a hero. And so when we look at this text and we say the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, found and covered it up, and he's like, I'm the man. Maybe you've heard the song, I'm the man. You know, like you think of yourself, yeah, yeah I'm the man. I, I, I can picture, we can picture ourselves like Indiana Jones with that like really cool hat that doesn't look good on me, but maybe it would if I was seeking for treasure. He's got the whip and the pistol and he's like sorting out problems and he's going through ancient ruins and he's got that moment where he's you know, going to find the golden head of something and he's got the sand and he trades it out and he gets chased by a rock boulder all the way out. Finding treasure, treasure hunter, that sounds fun. Some of you are like, who's Indiana Jones? I don't get it. <laughs> it's all right. It's on Netflix or something, I'm sure. But I'm not Indiana Jones. And this isn't that story. You and me, we're not the hero. We're buried. We're covered in dirt. We're stuck in a field somewhere. Waiting for Jesus to find us. Because Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. That's you. That's me. We're not the hero. We're the lost ones. Covered in dirt. But Jesus, Jesus, 
He is the man. He is wearing that cool hat. And he finds the treasure. You and you, you are treasured. You are valued. And he digs in the dirt and he dusts it off. And as he finds you, he sells everything that he has. And he buys the whole field because he values you. He's the man. He's the man who is searching for pearls, searching for pearls of great value. He searches and he searches. And I don't know how many oysters that man had to eat, but he finds a pearl of great value, sells everything that he has just to buy that precious pearl. Jesus is the man. You're the pearl. You see, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Philippians 2, he didn't, he humbled himself. He didn't view equality with God, something to be like grasped or clung to, but emptied himself, taking on the form and the likeness of humanity. He was born in humility born humble and low. He left his throne in heaven, took on the, baby, the, the form of a baby and was born. And he walked this dirty earth, rubbing shoulders with humanity, not lording it over them that, they, that he's the son of God. No, 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 no. He's just walking through with humanity telling stories. And he walks all the way to the cross. You ask what your value is or you try to assign your value to yourself. You ask, am I enough? And if you ask Jesus how much you're worth, he'll tell you the precious blood of Christ. Because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ took the sin of the whole world on himself. He who knew no sin became sin. And he died on a cross to pay the price for your sin, for my sin, for your mess-ups and my mess-ups. And so because he bought you with the precious blood of his, of the, that was shed on that cross, he gets to assign what your value is, not me. He determines your value. He decided that you were worth everything. Everything. Jesus paid it all. That's what he decided you were worth. That's why he can say, you are valued. 
but we mess it up. We have a tendency to think that we're in charge. We have a tendency to think that I get to determine what I'm worth. I get to determine, or maybe it's not even what I think. Maybe we let someone else determine what we're worth. Our friends, our neighbors, or it's through a point of comparison. Or maybe it's somebody that we don't even know. You get online and you say to yourself, and somebody says something mean about you, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, maybe they determine your worth. It's not your followers. It's not your neighbors. It's not the people at school, and it's not the people at work, and it certainly isn't ourselves who determines our value. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ determines our value. I've told this story before, a couple years ago, a few years ago. I was, um, while I was a cashier, you know, at a grocery store, I was living in California and didn't have enough money uh, to come home for Thanksgiving, uh, and, but I really, really wanted to come home for Christmas. And so I missed Thanksgiving, but I decided I would take every single shift that was available and, you know, just trying to like squeeze out that time and a half kind of stuff. And so I was working all through Thanksgiving. I was there when the store was open and when the store closed, and I just wanted to just kind of make as much money as I possibly could. And after that Thanksgiving week, and then the, the weeks kind of leading up towards Christmas, I needed to buy a plane ticket to, to fly home for Christmas. Plane tickets were a little more expensive than I, had, than I had anticipated. Who knew? Certainly not me at 19 years old. I was just used to driving around the country in my charger, not flying around the country. And so, I, you know, after I bought the plane ticket, I really didn't have a lot of money for Christmas gifts. I tried to figure out what on earth am I going to give to people for Christmas. I decided that my brother and sister, well, they could just deal. <laughs> so they got nothing. And, uh, and, and mom and dad got a little, a little bit more than nothing. But grandma and grandma, grandma's got gifts. But I didn't have any money. And so I looked through my stuff. And I found two blank canvases and some paint that I still had from in high school. So every, every day after work, either morning or night, depending on my shift, I would um, I'd set up my canvas. I had made myself an easel. I couldn't afford an easel, and so I cut a cardboard box to create an easel, and I painted painted this landscape, and I painted the same painting for both grandmas. And after I was done painting, I stood back, and I looked at both of these paintings as they were drying, and I thought, those look terrible. <laughs> I really thought they were crap. But I didn't have any more money, and I didn't have any more canvases. And I think I was probably even running a little low on paint and time. So I packaged up those canvases, carried them with me on the plane, didn't check them, you know, made sure, hey, treat them, 
At least I could deliver them unbroken. Didn't have enough money to even mail one of the canvases down to my, my grandma in Florida. She, she didn't leave Florida for anything, it seemed like. <laughs> like, especially not during the wintertime. No, no. She stayed in Daytona Beach. Let the, you know, northerners do the winter stuff. And so my mom paid to, um, to mail one of those paintings down to my other grandmother. And, um, and so gave both paintings for Christmas, not feeling all that good about what I gave. Years later, I was visiting my grandmother down in Florida. They have a beautiful home. They live on a, on a, you know, country, in a country club right on a golf course in Daytona Beach. They can hear the racetrack during the Daytona 500 from their house. Just like, you know, you, you, it's just amazing. She didn't think so. Uh, <laughs> she would not leave her house during bike week or, or race week. <laughs> she didn't even leave her house. Um, and I get down to visit, and her home is fantastic. It's filled with artwork from all over the world where they've traveled. Sculptures and paintings. There at the end of the hallway... This is just a dark hallway, the end of the hallway. It's a beautifully framed painting. And there's this gallery light over the top of it that just shined, just, wo just washed it, this painting, in light. I walked down the hallway and it was my painting. I asked my grandmother, I'm like, what on earth do you have that there for? Put that like in grandpa's office so nobody can see it. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's not your painting. You gave it to me. It's my painting. And I get to do with my painting whatever I want. And I've decided that it's worth that frame I've decided that painting is worth that light. I've decided that when friends come for cocktail parties and I show them and they look at my artwork, that they're going to look down that dark hallway and at the end of that hallway, they're going to see a light shining on my absolute favorite painting. Grandma taught me how to assign value. See, that painting was hers. She got to determine what that painting was worth. She decided that painting was worth more than any of the other art pieces of artwork. Your Heavenly Father created you. He determined your value. Sin then did a real number on you because sin did a real number on me too. And so me and you and the people around us sometimes act like we're not worth all that much. We devalue each other with our words. We devalue each other with our actions. We devalue people that we don't even know. And we devalue ourselves. But God, our Heavenly Father, sent Jesus Christ 
to redeem us. And the word redeem means to pay for. Yes, God paid for us with the blood of his son, which is of infinite value. And God assigns our value because God gets to do whatever he wants because he's God. And God, who is all-knowing in his infinite wisdom, decided your value. You're worth it. You are valued all the time. And each and every one of you, no matter what you think of yourself, no matter what others think of you, is valued by God all the time. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. And not only that, but the God of the universe, the God of the universe who has set your value is saving you a seat. Saving you a seat in heaven. I love it when people save a seat for me. It's so awesome. Especially if you're going into like a crowded auditorium or something like that. If you're going in someplace really crowded or maybe a restaurant or something, you know, maybe it's even a movie. I don't know. Where you're going in someplace crowded and then all of a sudden somebody's like, ah, save you a seat. Man, I feel valued. Jesus, when he ascended into, right before he ascended into heaven, he says, yo, I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to play, prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back. And he said, if it wasn't so, I would have told you. But I'm telling you, saving a place for you. That's how much he values you. He gave up everything to buy you. But he's not done because he's saving a place for you in heaven for all of eternity. Amen. Amen. It's for you. It's for you and you and you and you. Yeah, you. Yeah. God values you. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, We are surrounded, surrounded by ourselves and other people who seek to devalue us and tear us down and tell us that we're all not all that much. But you love us so much that you sent your one and only Son to die on a cross, to buy us back and to renew us through the power of your Holy Spirit. You value us. And you're saving a place for us in heaven so that we could be with you for all of eternity. Lord, we confess to you confess to you that we devalue ourselves, that we think that we're not enough. We confess to you, Lord, that we devalue others around us. As some comparison game or something that we're trying to make ourselves feel better, but really, 
valuing others is just thinking more about them, not less about ourselves. We confess to you, Lord, that we devalue others. We ask you for forgiveness. We ask you, Lord God, to remind us that you are the one who sets our value and you have decided that we are infinitely valuable, worth sending your son to die on the cross for us so that you could redeem us, buy us back. Thank you, Lord God, for your good, good gifts for us. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer. Amen.